Hi, Coach Joe Lucas, and welcome to the Magellan Network Show. For nearly 30 years, I've been focused on helping advisors become the best, both personally and professionally. This show is dedicated to sharing with you tools, tips, strategies, distinctions, things that are working now. I'd love for you to take a moment, and if you're watching this on YouTube, click the like button and also the subscribe button so you get automatic updates. And if you happen to be listening to us on a podcast, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you leave a positive review for us. Now, with that said, let's get to today's episode. Hi, this is your coach, Joe Lucas, and welcome to this episode of the Magellan Network Show. This episode, we're going to throw the playbook away and we're going to do something, quite frankly, I've never done before, uh, which is I'm going to uh, tell you a story of how I got started uh, in this industry. Uh, literally 28 years ago, uh, early February of 1994. There's a story there, and I'm going to tell it to you in a little bit. But what's fascinating, and I've always um, I've thought about telling my story, um, but I tend to be very private, very uh, you know personal person, if you will. It's never been about me. I never make it about me. I make it about my clients and their success. So um, as you can see, just my body language, if you're watching the video, this is uh, definitely an uncomfortable conversation. But uh, many of you have asked, hey, you know, how'd you get started? You know, what's your story? And uh, and I really thought about the last week or so because, you know, here we are in in February. And I said, you know, 28 years doing this now, uh, a couple more years will be 30. Um, It's time to tell a story a little bit. So uh I'm not going to bore you with my childhood or anything crazy like that. You know, it's pretty much lower middle class, uh, average dysfunctional family, uh, nothing extraordinary there. Catholic uh, grade school, uh, public um, high school, toyed around with a little community college, hated it. Came from a, a family of entrepreneurs, not saying they were successful, but entrepreneurs nevertheless. And uh, I, I just remember like growing up and, you know, we have this, we had at the time, uh, it was grandfather, father. So second generation, uh, second generation, kind of like bar, neighborhood bar, restaurant. Think of it as cheers, but kind of in the ghetto, if that makes any sense. Okay. From that perspective. And, um, and so that's kind of where I grew up, man. Like I literally grew up and had a bar and I, and I say that and, and I did, I mean, if there's any photos floating around, I'm sure somebody has them. I remember going there, uh, you know, after grade school, uh, sleeping at my grandmother's uh, place who lived upstairs from the uh, bar and restaurant and pretty much spending all my time there because my parents didn't get along very much. My father worked um, seven days a week, probably 18 hours a day. And uh, in my entire childhood, we had like one three-day family vacation to Mystic, Connecticut. That's that's how I remember it because only one, right? And that's fine. It is what it is. And uh, But I think what happened back then was uh, and I wasn't a good student, so let me let me kind of lay those fears right now. Which is no, I was a, I was an average student. I was a student that always got the note back from the nun or the teacher, depending on what year it was. Um, you know, Joe could be a, a straight A student if he only apply himself, and uh, I found school very boring. I just did. Uh, some things I excelled at history, science. I, I I knew it innately. I was just that was just my jam. Hated English. Hated. Still do, by the way. Definitely was, I was good in math, didn't understand algebra, trigonometry, all that jazz, like, you know, back then we had calculators for it, right? Um, make a long story short, graduated. Um, here's, a, here's a little tidbit. You guys will like this. So when I was uh, 17 years old, I had a full beard. 
and uh, like full, like full, full mountain man beard. And uh, my graduating class, most several of them thought I was a substitute teacher, and not in the graduating class. That's how well known I was. You know, talk about being the guy in the corner. You got you're looking at him here. You know, going all throughout, shy, introverted, right? Um, love sports, didn't excel at them. Always had to work hard, right? Nothing, nothing ever came natural nor easy for me, all right? And and I think it's because of that that it, it shaped me, you know, as a, who I am today. That I was never given anything. Like I had to work for everything. Like I I was working I'll say it this way. I was working illegally in a bar at eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old, 11 years old. I remember being up at 12, one o'clock in the morning, sweeping up stuff like that, going to bed and go, then going to school. Like I remember those days. Like I, I can remember it like it was yesterday. So college wasn't my jam, but I wanted to be successful. So um, some of you are old enough to remember this. And uh, at the time it was one of my favorite shows. Uh, it was Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with Robin Leach, right? Some of you remember that. And uh, I don't know if it was on Sunday on ABC. I forget exactly when. But, man, I, I was glued to that thing all the time. And uh, I just wanted to be successful. I didn't want to – I knew that the life that was laid out in front of me would not be the life that I would want. And if I chose that life, I would probably die early. I just would. So, you know, I made a decision probably when I was 17, maybe 18, that, you know what, I, you know, I'll work here, but I'm not going to be the third generation. Like, like let, this will stop. Because I had to, again, you know, we, 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 hey, this, this wasn't Beverly Hills. This wasn't, you know, Central Park South. All right? I mean, this was you know, a pretty rough neighborhood. You know, just was. All right? Knives, gunfights, you name it, drugs. Man, we had it all, Right? So that was kind of the environment I grew up in, really, really kind of blue collar, you know, uh, if you will, lower middle class. So I got a job when I was 15, 16 years old, and uh, it was stacking boxes at some warehouse that my father knew the owners. I think we were clients, as a matter of fact. I hated it. I hated being told what to do, just not my jam. And uh, I think I lasted, I think I lasted a summer there. And then I was like, ah, I don't think I can do that again. And so, so basically, I kind of knew that working for the man was not something that I would enjoy going forward. So I started to look for jobs. And when I say jobs, let me, I know what I just said, but let me hear me out. I started to look like under manufacturer reps, 1099, you know, commission only sales, stuff like that. Um, because, you know, I, I, read, a, I read in a book, uh, I may have been a Tom Hopkins book way back when, early 80s. That you know when you when you, if you sell if you become salesman salesperson um, you can make a lot of money. I said, "Oh, that sounds perfect." Um, and so I started to do some 1099 gigs, right? And uh, one of them I got really really good at. It was air filtration and water filtration in the bar restaurant industry, you know where I came from. And I did a really good job on that. And I knew the language. I knew I knew the vibe, right? You know, you know this is when people smoke eaters were all the rage back then because everybody smoked in these in these establishments. And um, I got my first taste of I got my first taste of success, and I got my first taste of what a four-figure, you know, over one thousand dollar paycheck looked like. I thought that was pretty cool. And I was probably nineteen. 
And so at 19, you know, here I am, I'm starting to make money, right? I still live at home, right? And uh, so my first vehicle, so let me tell you about cars. This is really important. So my first car I ever got was a 1983 Z20, Camaro Z28, uh, Indy Pace Car Edition. It was blue and silver, two-tone. Got it, bought it new. My, I paid for it, my baby. Second car I bought was a 1984 Corvette, the new, the new body style. And um, I'm telling you this because it made me feel significant at the time. So I did this, I, so I did the, um, I did the air and water filtration thing for several years, rose up the ranks, you know, youngest, like oh, my contemporaries were 15, 20 years older than me. And here's the beauty, and this is kind of one of the stories. I was so young and naive enough, I didn't know this shouldn't have worked. Like I didn't, you know, as you get older, as we get older, we tend to get wisdom. And wisdom could be a good thing, but sometimes wisdom can also steal your dreams if you're not careful. So I didn't know I shouldn't be able to do this because I was too young. And I just went ahead and did this. I had a very good mentor, a person who came into my life, and he changed the trajectory of my life because he got me involved in personal development. He got me involved in Think and Go Rich and with Zig Ziglar. I remember going to, I remember I was like 19 years old. I went to a sales conference, a 19-year-old sales conference. I wasn't even old enough to drink, but I had a full beard, so that didn't matter. And I, I, I sat like the third row listening to Zig Ziglar talk. And I was like, I was just mesmerized by the whole thing. And there was a part of me, a part of me that said, you know, I'd like to do that one day. I don't know how, but how he touches people's lives, man, that, 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 would, really, that would really get me. I'd like, to, I'd like to find a way to do that. So in, so in my early 20s, I'm making this money. I, I have some friends, um, some are older than me. And uh, so we started investing in real estate. And we're investing in real estate because we can. And again, this is now the mid-80s. Okay, I just give you some frameworks. This is like 84, 85, 86. And we're doing it. And uh, again, not knowing what I don't know, right? Sounds good. Savings and loans, man, if you could, if you breathe and they give you a loan those days. So we did them. You know, we took out loans all over the place. Then something, something happened. The market crashed. And there's an entity called the RTC. It's short for Resolution Trust Company. Um, some of you are old enough. Some of you may, may have been down that road before. Uh, I got to know them very well because they sued my ass for money that I did not have. So make a long story short, you know, barely, almost literally declare Chapter 7. Like, skip. think about this. I'm in my 20s. My cars are being repossessed or I'm selling them off. And... I quit the water gig because I was doing a real estate thing full time. And then all of a sudden it was going to disappear. And like there was a point in my life where literally at 25, think about this. It sounds bizarre now. It sounds bizarre now, 24, 25, that I literally thought, I, mean, I, mean, I think back to it's probably 22, 23, that I literally thought I peaked in my life. Like I was never going to be more successful than I had. You know, we, we had hundreds of doors uh, in New Jersey and, and so on. So that took several years to unwind. And so while it was unwinding, I needed money. So um, I hung myself out there as a consultant, okay? Just short for, hey, you got, if you need to sell something and you want to 1099 me, I'm in, right? And so um, 
I hooked up with this uh, appraisal company, real estate appraisal company, because I knew I knew of them from just being in the in you know the investor space, and uh, I went to work with them, being a business development person, and I cut a good deal with the owner. Good for me. So my gig was, look, I bring you any dollar that I bring in for my efforts, I get 10% on that dollar for as long as I stay here. And then we had like a little couple year contract. So I tell you that story because we took it from, I think, uh, $300,000 to about $1.4 million of, uh, of top line. And I was actually making more money than the owner was. Well, if any of you know, when somebody's making more than the person whose name's on the door, your time there is probably not going to be that long. And sure enough, when uh, my agreement was up, I was out and there was no open to renegotiation and so on. So it was fine. I got burnt out. They did that for several years. However, in that time, um, I wasn't there, but uh, I was on the road. Uh, but uh, next thing I know, this is the way it works. Hey, we're going to Tony, the whole company is going to a Tony Robbins seminar up in uh, the Meadowlands. And because um, I guess somebody show came in, did a little cold walk, dog and pony show. Next thing I know, the owner's buying 20 tickets. And uh, I had done personal power, right? So I'd done all that and a uh, big Tony fan. But I was jaded because I listened to all that shit and I almost lost everything, right? Because I tunnel vision. So I was kind of like, mm, I don't know, right? So, but I, I went and it was a great experience. And so the guy comes back. They were called the business to BDCs, business development consultants. And at the time, I, I knew my time with that appraisal company was going to come to an end. It just the writing was all over the wall. Owner stopped talking to me, basically. Uh, had his partner give me my checks begrudgingly. They were late, things like that. And um, so, he, so he stops in my office at the time. And I say, hey, man, just out of curiosity, how do, how do I get to do what you do? I was just like, it was just a like little comment. That was like, that was it. And he goes, I'll set you up with an interview. I'll get back to you. I'll call you tomorrow, right? And, you know, that's what happened. So next thing I know, I'm in an interview uh, with the regional person, and uh, we're talking, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's first off, it's commission only. Uh, you got to buy your own supplies. You cover your own expenses. Uh, it was 20% of what you sold. I remember that. And uh, if you sold live events, you have to staff them. So if I sold a, per a live training, like a, per like a private train tour, a company, uh, they would fly the trainers out, but I had to be there. So just keep that in mind, okay? All right, hey, I'm in. So the appraisal company stops. So in, so in between all this, I get married, okay? So I'm now getting married. I mean, I get back. I meet Marissa. I'm engaged. I'm not married yet. And uh, so I start my my new career as a Tony Robbins business development consultant, at BDC. And um, there was a and, and here's how this worked. This is this is how sometimes decisions decisions right? Play a large role in your future. So I was given the option of either working in New Jersey and kind of work with New Jersey companies and things like that, like you know, pharmaceutical and, you know, give, you know, you'll kind of create an, an expertise, if you will. Or you can go to Manhattan, or you can take a train, Joe, go to Manhattan and we need some, we need somebody to cover stockbrokers because we have nobody there. Um, it's just a tough place to, um, it's just tough. And we need, so I like New York. I like the vibe. You know, why not, right? From that perspective, you know, I've always uh, had an affinity for the city. So I said, I'll take the, I'll do the New York thing. And so away we go, right? So that's how we started. 
so how do I get into the doors? Well, remember, this is before 9-11. So I literally would cold walk brokerage companies. Kidder Peabody, um, all the ones that are no longer you know around anymore. I would like think of me like a wholesaler, but instead of having uh, annuities or insurance products or mutual funds or whatever, um, you know, I rep personal development. I, you know, we had uh, most people don't know this, but but Tony Robbins has a very well built out corporate training division. That's kind of where I worked. Okay, you know, in there, so it wasn't the personal power stuff, wasn't all the retail stuff, the stuff that you never see a lot. Of power to influence the unlimited success system. I mean, binders like we sell, we sell a system for a thousand. This is back in the early nineties. We would tell, we would sell a system for a thousand dollars that a workbook and like twelve cassette tapes. Thousand dollars. That's what we do. So I did that. I did that for almost two years. And uh loved the first year, loved the first year and maybe uh maybe four or five months. But here's what happens. Once you've bought everything from me, I got nothing else to sell you. Like that's it. I can you're gonna buy a book from me, it's twenty bucks, I'm gonna make four bucks. That doesn't pay for the train into in the city. So in other words, if you weren't buying from me, I, I, my family, we weren't eating, basically. And I would have clients, you know, guys that I know, you know, at the time, and they'd always make time for me. And I think half of them wanted to recruit me. And that's why they made time for me because they saw, you know, they saw I was a real go-getter. And they said, oh, man, Joe, you'd be, you'd be a multi-million dollar producer in this business. And there, I've been, I was tempted. I that. In fact, I, I, you know, I actually talked to the Kidder Peabody branch, man. I remember I had that conversation. Joe, if you ever want not, if you ever want to do something real, make some real money and have a life, you know, hey, you know, we'll put you on, we, you know, we'll put you on our training program. Make a long story short, you know, I go through that, and so after after I've sold you everything, and uh, I want to give you like a typical scenario. So like I, so Monday through Friday, right? I'd get up early, go take the train early because the market's not open yet, so I can I can get some guys before the open. Because remember, this is. Back then, this was pretty much 90% transactional, okay, 90% transactional. So I would go ahead and see some of the guys in the morning, morning breakfast meeting, whatever, you know, bring bring the typical wholesaler, I bring donuts into the office and chat around and stuff like that. And I would do that till about market. Then market opening, well, those guys, now my brokers are gone. I, I won't see them until 4 o'clock. So then I turn my attention to the, to, to like, the, you know, the insurance companies, the Northwesterns, the Guardians. Uh, the New York Life, the Met Life, so on and so forth, you know, even some high-level uh, uh, property and casualty, you know, because they were all kind of congregated in that area anyway. So just another office building, you just drive the elevator, basically. And there were some days I literally rode an elevator for a couple of hours just to meet with people, just to just say hi. All right, so we did. You know, we cold-walked. That's what we did. And um, so what happened was, as I built some of these relationships, is – People would come and I uh, would sit down like, you know, just like a wholesaler would. And, hey, Joe, I want to go. I want to show you my goals I wrote. And we'd spend 15, 20, 30, sometimes more, depending on what was going on, talking about their goals, talking about how you get in state, talk about, you know, uh, you know, their kind of morning success ritual at the time, all those elements. Right. And uh, so I go back and uh, I talk to my 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 sales, my regional guy, I guess, probably the best way to describe him. And I said to him, I said, hey. Um, and they got to remember when this was, there was no such thing as coaching. There was no such thing as a business coach, personal coach, executive coach, none of that stuff. Just no, you were, there's training. That was it. 
And um, I said, look, I, look, I think guys would, I think we can sell time. I think we can sell consultations. I think people will compensate us to kind of be like a personal development consultant for them. Again, the coach word wasn't even around at the time. And I rem- and I got excited. I said, because my brain went, well, this would be great because I can just get 15, 20, 30 guys and, and, you know, I can meet with them every month and they can pay me and I don't have to worry about selling and, you know, the company's going to get what they get, of course, and that's cool, but I get to do it. And, and, I, and I, I enjoyed that part. In fact, I cherished that part of solving problems for people. Well, word came back down from whatever. You know, I don't think it ever got all the way to the man. Um, the answer was no. Hey, that's not what we do. We don't, we don't consult. We, we, we put people in programs. We sell product. We sell, we sell, you know, do-it-yourself programs. That's what we do. So I was told basically no. And this was, uh, Jan- this was January. I remember January. And I was, like, devastated. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, now, let, so what am I going to do? My wife, at, now, now she's my wife. Uh, we're um, seven and a half mm, months pregnant with our first child, Joseph. And we had to, we, I remember the weekend because I came back Friday totally deflated. And uh, we sat in our apartment and we didn't have a lot of money. And so, you know, we were talking and uh, she goes, what do you want to do? I said, I don't know. I said, look, this is not, I could suck it up and do it, but there's a, there's an end, I'm at the end game here. There's not, I can, I can try to find more people to buy, but at the end of the day, the model is not sustainable. Once you sell it, you sold it. That's it. She goes, do you think you can do this on your own? I said, I don't know. I don't know, right? That's the truth. So I went with, I saw, um, I had a sleepless night looking at my pretty, uh, very pregnant wife. And I remember saying, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. Like I'll I'll have to go for safety security. And we're going to make this a two-parter because I don't want to take too much time here. Um, I'll tell you next week kind of how I really did it, but I want to give you the backstory today. She gave me one month, 30 days. She goes, by the time this baby's born, you better be bringing in at least X amount of dollars into this house. If you cannot do this, then you're going to have to go get a job. I said, that's a deal. And I remember what I did. I remember I answered an ad, an actual ad in the newspaper, because that's what you did back then. And I wanted to, I wanted to go for an interview of something I would absolutely hate. So I answered an ad to be a limo driver. So I thought to myself, I said, you know, what, what, will pain, what will cause me so much pain? Driving successful people around. And I'm not one of them. That's going to that's gonna devastate me. So I went for the interview. And I think the, the person who I remember, the company was in Linden, New Jersey. And I, and I think the person just knew I wasn't into it. But he gave me the courtesy. And it just, when I walked out of there, I was 100% like, you know what? My, I'm burning my boats at the, at the beach. Like that's, I, I can't do that. So I took away all possibility of failure. Now, does that mean I was going to be an overnight success? No. But I also knew that I couldn't fail either. It's funny when that happens, when your back is against the wall. So last comment here, then we'll, uh, then we'll get you off, and I'll see you next week for part two here when we get to a lot of the, the fun stuff that I've learned. So how I did it real quick was I, I resigned from Robbins. They were not happy, by the way. The parting, the parting comment uh, from the uh, regional person uh, and I'll, it's like burned in my ear. You know what, Joe? Good luck selling Joe Lucas. You can't sell Tony Robbins anymore. And who the hell is Joe Lucas? And I remember that like it was yesterday. Like I can, like I can, I can still, I still get tinglys on my body when I think about it.
And I just remember that Saturday, you know, going to Minuteman Press in Somerville, New Jersey. I don't know if it's even there anymore. And this is, you know, this is before all this technology. And I said, look, I need cards by Monday. What can you give me? He goes, it was like these real ugly gray with this black stock. And lawyer cards look better than this, right? And it had um, Joe Lucas Peak Performance Consultant. I thought it was all the jam back then, right? And uh, I had a pager. So pager number, right? Because that's the way it is. So we pagers and calling cards. That's how we worked. And um, and then I got on the train on a Monday. And I went to talk to some people. I'm going to hold the rest of the story until next week when I tell you how I started, how I got my first client, how 28 years later, I still have some of those same clients to this day that I work with. With that being said, thank you for listening and uh, watching this episode of the Magellan Network Show. I hope I didn't bore you. I hope you found some value in my story, at least part one. And uh, I'll see you all uh, next week uh, for part number two. Thank you for watching or listening to this episode of the Magellan Network Show. Hey, if any of this resonated with you, I invite you to come to MagellanNetwork.net and we have a powerful group coaching community of like-minded advisors. Come in for a trial. You and I will have a one-on-one conversation. Let's see if I can help elevate your game, both personally and professionally.